Amen. But I do believe tonight. I do believe that Jesus is the answer to every question. Jesus is the answer to everything that ills this country. Amen. And there is, make no mistake about it, there is a great sickness in our country today. Amen. And it has caused many hearts to become hardened and people not to care about one another. Amen. And I, I pray tonight that the Bible study will not only help us, but will help those that will watch online and will help those that will be listening through our podcast. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about something very important, and, and it is about freedom. It is about being set free. It is about breaking chains. I want to talk to us tonight about the power and the purpose of forgiveness. The power and the purpose of forgiveness. Everybody said amen. amen. By definition, the word forgive it means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, for a flaw or a mistake. That's forgive. The word forgiveness means it's the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. And so to forgive is to stop feeling angry, to stop feeling resentful because of an offense Law or mistake, and then forgiveness is the act or process of forgiving. Amen. Is there anybody here tonight that has never been offended? No. And if anybody would have lifted their hands, I'd have had to call, I'd have had to call shenanigans on you. Because Jesus says in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus says that it is impossible. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto, unto him through whom they come. Did you catch that tonight? Jesus said that there was something that was impossible. You say, Pastor, I thought everything was possible with God. Everything with God is possible. But Jesus said that there's something in our lives that is impossible. He said it is impossible for you to go through life and to never find yourself offended in some way. That's what he said. So at least we know tonight in the church that there's one thing that is impossible. Now, there's two things that's impossible. One is that you could ever go through life and not be offended, and two, that somehow you could save yourself. So there's two things we know that's impossible. But Jesus says in Luke 17, 1, he said, it is impossible that offenses will come. And so it's impossible to go through life. And, and, and as, I, as I run through these, I think many of us here tonight can, can fall into one, two, or maybe more of these categories. But it's impossible to go through life and never be the victim of a lie. Has anybody ever lied on you? Amen. It's impossible to go through life and never be the victim of slander. To never be the victim of gossip. Or to never be the victim of being cheated. 
Or to never be the victim of being taken advantage of. Or to never be the victim of not being appreciated. Or to never be the victim of someone's harsh words. And, and, and we could go on and on tonight of, of the list of things that we fall victim to. The list of things that we can be offended or find ourselves in offense of as we go through life. And, and I promise you, as I read through some of those examples, that some of us were like, yeah, I, I fit at least one or I fit many of those categories because I have found myself in those situations. Amen. Jesus said it was inevitable. Jesus said it will happen. Amen. And so what does that mean? What that means is that it is all out of your control. Or is it? Now Jesus said it's impossible. So that would cause us to think that it is out of our control. Or is it really out of our control? You see, brothers and sisters, we may not be able to avoid offenses because Jesus said nobody is immune to them. So we may not be able to avoid offenses, but here's the kicker. We can control our response to them. Amen. We may not be able to avoid, you can't avoid it because you can't control other people's actions. But we can control our own. We can't control what somebody says to us or how somebody treats us, but we can make choices and we can control how we respond to those offenses. Amen. And so the very first thing that we need to understand tonight, and I want us to really get a grasp on this, is that forgiveness is not a reaction. Being offended is a reaction. Somebody says something that rubs you the wrong way or, or makes you mad. Your, your reaction is to become offended at what that person said to you or what that person did to you or how they treated you. Offense is a reaction, but please hear me tonight. Forgiveness is a choice. Offense is the reaction. Forgiveness is is a choice. And I want you to remember that through the remainder of this Bible study. Forgiveness is a choice. Amen. Now I said in the beginning of this Bible study, I said, is there anybody here tonight that, that has never been offended? And no hands went up because y'all are honest. Because every one of us here tonight, many times in our lives, have been offended over something. We've gotten angry at people over something. And I'll go as far as to say every one of us in this church tonight has held a grudge against somebody for something for some period of time. Every one of us here tonight have held unforgiveness in our hearts towards somebody. We're all guilty of that. We've all done that. And God forbid there could even be somebody here tonight that is holding unforgiveness in their hearts even right now. I've come to preach to you. Because you see, unforgiveness, unforgiveness is a great deceiver. It is. 
It is. Unforgiveness will produce anger and resentment, and it will make you feel like so long as you hold on to that anger and so long as you hold on to that offense, it'll make you feel that you have control over that offense. As long as I remain angry, I have the upper hand in this situation. It'll make you feel like you maintain the upper hand over that person. As long as I stay angry at them, then I am in control of this situation. Because let's face it, brothers and sisters, most of the time when offenses come, it catches us in a vulnerable position. And there's nobody here tonight that likes to be vulnerable. There's nobody here tonight that likes to feel like they've been exploited. And so our reaction is to get angry. And as long as we can hold on to that anger, we are deceived into thinking that it empowers us. I have power over that person in that situation because I'm not going to let this go. I used to tell people in, in my younger days, told many, many people this. I used to say, if, if you cross me, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next week, and it may not be next year, but every step you take, you better turn around because one of these days I'll be standing there. Now that was before Christ. That was the old me, way back when. But that's because I was deceived into thinking that when somebody wronged me or somebody disrespected me, that as long as I held on to that anger, that I maintained control over a situation that I felt uh, that I had no control over. Unforgiveness, well... When you hold on to that anger, really what you're doing is you're saving your pride. Amen. That's really what you're doing. Unforgiveness is also a mask that we wear that covers painful emotions. It covers anger that maybe you don't want to face or feel. Because, you know, sometimes when, when, when people offend us, it's not always a situation that causes us to be angry. Oftentimes, offense leads to hurt. It leads to being brokenhearted. And so, and so unforgiveness becomes this mask that we put on because we don't want to face those feelings. We don't want to feel that pain and that hurt. Amen. And so we hold on to that unforgiveness and we shrug it off and we say, eh, didn't really bother me. But on the inside, we are refusing to let that go. And we know because two or three times a day, you will ponder, you will meditate, your thoughts will go to that offense. And unforgiveness will fool you into believing that as long as you hold on to it, you're no longer the victim. As long as you hold on to unforgiveness, you maintain the upper hand. As long as you hold on to anger, I'm not the victim. Yes, they did me wrong, but I'm angry and I'm going to get them back. And so I have the upper hand. I'm not the vulnerable one here. But like I said, unforgiveness is the great deceiver. <laughs> because everything I just said there, Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, I, I, I'm going to get away from the psychological 
or I'm going to get away from the spiritual aspects of unforgiveness for a minute, and I want to talk to you about the scientific aspects of unforgiveness. I did some research as I was putting these notes together. I knew that harboring unforgiveness and anger, uh, I mean, how many understand tonight that your physical body is very much tied to your mental state? It is. It is. People can literally think themselves sick. You can. And, and there have been numerous psychological studies done that show the devastating effects of unforgiveness on the physical body and on the emotional state of a person. But see, we're deceived into thinking as long as we hold on to unforgiveness that we have the upper hand and that we're no longer a victim. But science tells us that psychologically, unforgiveness causes a multitude of emotional issues. Studies tell us that Holding on to unforgiveness produces chronic stress. And chronic stress leads to all kinds of different things. All kinds of physical issues. Chronic stress leads to high blood pressure. Chronic stress leads to various types of cardiovascular diseases or issues. Uh, chronic stress even leads to hemorrhages. Holding on to unforgiveness... It hinders a person's communication skills. It hinders our ability to, to be able to think things through. It hinders a person's ability to, to make uh, correct decisions. Unforgiveness has even been shown to cause hormonal imbalances in people. People that hold on to anger. People that refuse to let Things go. Studies show that these people often suffer from severe depression. Or in a worst case scenario, a paranoid personality disorder. Now these are just some of the physical effects of unforgiveness. These are just some of the things that science has been able to, to measure by scientific method. The, these are things that they've been able to study and to prove that holding on to unforgiveness and anger and, 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 and unresolved feelings towards offenses can do to a person physiologically and psychologically. But there are also, and this is really what, where I want to go here tonight, there are also very real spiritual consequences to unforgiveness. And so I want to ask the question here tonight, why is the choice, remember I said forgiveness is a choice, why is the choice to forgive so important to the believer? That's what we're going to touch on for the remainder of this Bible study. Tonight I want to give you three tenets of forgiveness. And, and I give honor to Pastor Ken Gurley, I... I uh, Overheard him talking about these in a morning devotional that he does on Facebook that I try to catch when I can, and I thought this was just amazing teaching. So I took some of his stuff and I added my stuff, and we got some good stuff. Amen. So I want to tell you about the three tenets of forgiveness. 
Here's what forgiveness does for us. When we choose to forgive. Number one, forgiveness restores your relationship with God. You say, Pastor, how does that work? Jesus touched on this a lot. He touched on it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said this, He said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then He flips that coin over. And He says, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Now imagine this. Imagine God holding back from us what we choose to hold back from others. That's what Jesus is saying right there. Imagine a God who the Bible says is rich in mercy, holding back forgiveness from us because we choose to hold back forgiveness from those that have caused an offense. Brothers and sisters, without forgiveness, you cannot be saved. Without forgiveness, I cannot be saved. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't know one human being upon the face of the earth, Brother Joel, that is worth me going to hell over. I don't know one offense that I have ever suffered, Sister Marlene, that is worth me holding on to unforgiveness and going to hell over. But Jesus, He spells it out very plainly. If we refuse to forgive people that have offended us and sinned against us, and we hold that, He said, your Father will not forgive you. And so the question here for you, I guess, is, is there anyone or any offense that's worth going to hell over? I can't answer for you, but my answer tonight is no. Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus says this. He says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Why? So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. He said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, He said, choose to forgive them so that you may be forgiven. Brothers and sisters, if there was something, let me ask you this question. If there was something in your life that hindered your prayers from getting to God, if there was something in your life that literally kept your prayers from reaching the throne, if there was something in your life that would cause God not to hear your prayers. Let me ask you this morning, would you do something about it? Amen. Because when we pray, we don't want to just beat the air. We don't just want to, to, to speak into the void. But when we pray, we want God to hear us. But if I said that there was something in your life that stopped your prayers from getting to the ears of God, if there was something that stopped your prayers from reaching the throne of God, the question is, would you do something about it? I saw a lot of heads saying, yes, I would. And what you have to do is forgive. Because that's what unforgiveness will do to your prayers. Amen. If you're holding on to a grudge, 
Someone has offended you and you're holding on to anger and you refuse to let that go. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how often you pray or what you pray. Your prayers will be hindered. Jesus said, when you stand praying, if you hold anything, I'm still mad. I'm still mad about that dude who ran that stop sign on the way to church tonight. That actually happened to us. Yeah, fortunately we was, I don't know, 50 yards away. Had we been 50 yards further up the road, he'd have T-boned us on my side. So I, I could have just, I could have held on to that all the way here and been grumbling about the, that, blah, 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 uh, people just like that, they burn me up, blah, blah, blah. And I could be holding on to that. I could come in here and, and try to, to pray and get my mind on God and whatever God wants to do for this service. But as long as I'm holding on to that, it's going to hinder what God wants to do in me and through me. Now, maybe that's not the best example, but there are some people that are so easily annoyed that something like that would ruin their whole day. Amen. What? Yeah. He either didn't see the stop sign or he just didn't care. One of the two. Well, well, praise the Lord for that. So number one, it restores your relationship with God. The second tenet of forgiveness, this is important, it untethers you from that offense. It unchains you. It unchains your heart. It unchains your thoughts. It unchains your spirit. Amen. It untethers you. It detaches you from that offense. Remember when I said unforgiveness is a great deceiver. Unforgiveness would cause you to believe that as long as you hold on to something, you're not the victim and you're in control and you have the upper hand. But really what it is, brothers and sisters, is when you refuse to forgive, you are in bondage. You are chained to that offense. And so when you choose to forgive, it breaks those chains. Brothers and sisters, when you choose to forgive, it breaks the power of unforgiveness over your life. You can set yourself free. You say, Pastor, how can I do that? By choosing to forgive. And you say, well, you don't know what I've dealt with and I've tried to forgive. Then pray and ask God to help you and He will help you to let these things go. I promise you He will. Because it's His will for you to forgive others. It untethers you. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking. He said, let it be put away from you with all malice. He said, put it away. Leave it behind. Get it away from you. He said, and be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what's going to happen sometimes? This may be hard to believe. Spoiler alert. People in the church are going to offend you. Your pastor is going to offend you. An evangelist may offend you. But let me tell you the people that are really going to get on your nerves. Other people in the church. And as we grow, it's going to happen. You know why? Very simple. People are people. Holy Ghost filled or not, people are still people. That's just the truth. But when those offenses come, and Jesus said they will come, you got a choice to make. Will you hold on to it? Or will you do what the Apostle Paul says? Will you get all the bitterness and all the wrath and all the anger and all the clamor and the evil speaking? And will you put it away from you? Will you choose to be kind and tender-hearted? And will you choose to forgive? Yes, I know that brother said this. And yes, I know that that sister snapped at me this way. And yes, I know he kind of said that smart-alecky. And I was kind of offended about that. But you know what? I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to choose to forgive them. I'm going to choose to love that sister. I'm going to choose to love that brother. Yes, I know maybe they went behind my back and they said something about me. But you know what? I'm going to leave that between them and God and I'm going to do what I have power to do and that is to forgive my brother or my sister. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Again, Paul writes here, he says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, if that sister said something about you behind your back, if somebody spread a rumor about you, if somebody was having a bad day and you just said hello and they bit your head off, people are people. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Amen. Do you see the example that Paul is setting here? Drawing the correlation between how Christ has forgiven us and how we should exemplify that towards others. Hebrews 12, verse 1. The writer here says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. This is the part I want us to really uh, get here. In this scripture, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. On your hand out there, I bolded the word beset. That word beset, it means to thwart in every direction. So, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which besets us. In other words, whatever it is, that weight that you are tethered to, it thwarts your ability to move in any direction. Let, 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 me, let me say it this way. Brothers and sisters, when you hold on to unforgiveness, and you hold on to offenses, and you hold on to anger, don't think you're going to go anywhere with God. Because spiritually, you are going to be tethered to that offense. 
You are going to be weighted. That is the weight and the sin that has so easily beset you. It has stopped your forward motion. You can't go forward or backwards or left or right. And we can fool ourselves all we want to, but we're not going to be able to move and walk with God until we choose to unchain ourselves from that offense until we choose to forgive and break those chains that unforgiveness has over us that we could keep, as Paul says, running the race with patience. And so the great lie is that holding on to the offense or holding on to the anger gives you power over a situation. But the truth, brothers and sisters... The truth is that it chains you to it. Oh, I'm angry with that person. That person really did something against my family. That person really, really did some things that were, that, were, that were backhanded. They really took advantage of me. I just can't let that go. Then you're going to have a hard time spiritually. Because you have chained yourself to that offense. But you have the power. Here's the good news. You have the power to set yourself free. And you can do so by choosing to forgive. Amen. But it is a choice. The third tenet. The third tenet of forgiveness. Is reconciliation if possible. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is just a fancy word that means to, to, to reunite, to rectify a situation, to take a wrong between two parties and make them right, to heal a relationship, to bring back together. That's what the word reconciliation, that's what that means. Now, this is a, a tough thought to process. Especially if, if you find yourself tonight in the middle of hurt or anger, if you find yourself in, in the middle of an offense, this is a tough thought to process. But remember, brothers and sisters, remember it is a choice that you have the power to make. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. He says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. He said, Don't worry about taking revenge. Not for you. He says, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, watch this. This is this is this is a tough pill right here to swallow, especially when you're offended. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, Thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Brothers and sisters, what, let me tell you what Paul means when he says right there, Thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. That don't mean go out in, in the grill and grab some charcoals and go throw it at people. What that means is when your enemy's hungry, feed him. When he's thirsty, give him drink, for in doing so you shall heap coals of fire upon his head. Amen. What that means is that when a person knows they have wronged you, and a person knows that they are at fault, 
They expect your response to be one of anger or resentment. But if you go to that person, maybe it was a week, two weeks, a month down the road, and you know that that person's dealing with some sort of adversity in their life. And you go to that person, and you say, hey, you don't say, hey, regardless of what you did to me a month ago, that's not what you say. You say, hey, I heard you was going through a tough time. Is there anything I can do to help? Hey, I just want you to know I heard about that tough things that you're dealing with. I want you to know that I've been praying for you. Hey, if you ever need somebody to talk to, I'm here for you. You are heaping coals upon their head because you are overcoming evil with good. And all of a sudden, that person that did you wrong, they're going to wonder, Brother Joel, they're going to wonder, why isn't Joel bringing up that thing I did to him a month ago? Why in the world would he be so willing? Why is he being so kind to me? And you know what they do? It'll bring them to repentance. Because it'll touch their heart. It'll touch their conscience. That's the reason Paul said you can overcome evil with good. Not repaying evil with evil, but overcoming it with good. And I know that's hard to do, man. That's hard to do. Somebody does you wrong. Your first reaction is, Ugh. but try it. I'm telling you, it works. I've, I've been able to do it a few different times. I, I know people that some years ago said some terrible, lied on me, some terrible things. Um, uh, I'm not going to go into all the details, but, but I mean, they was, they was taking some of this stuff up the chain, the United Pentecostal Church. Fortunately, I had witnesses, but I forgave that person. I prayed for that person, and even now when the opportunity is there, I, I talk to that person and sincerely care about what's going on in their life. That doesn't, that's not because I'm super spiritual. It's because I had to make that choice. Doesn't mean it was easy. <laughs> and like I said, it ain't got no do with me being super spiritual. It was a choice I had to make. Amen. Right before verse 19 and verse 18 in that same chapter, Romans 12, the Apostle Paul, he frames it like this. He says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. He said, if it be possible. Brothers and sisters, reconciliation is not always possible. And here's why. Because reconciliation involves two parties. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying you can choose to forgive a situation, but that doesn't mean that the other person is going to choose to do the same. He said, if it be possible. James chapter 5 and verse 16, the Apostle James, he says this. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
He says, confess your faults one to another. That doesn't mean if you mess up, uh, Brother Carl, if you mess up and you sin, that doesn't mean come in here and tell everybody about it. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is if you wrong a brother, confess your faults. If you wrong a sister, confess your faults. That they can pray and you can pray together what that you may be healed. That the relationship may be healed. That there may be reconciliation. Reconciliation, if it be possible, is the will of God. How do we know that? I'll tell you here in a minute. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14. This is a heavy duty statement right here. The writer says, follow peace with all men, all men, all men. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace. You know what will keep you from having peace? Unforgiveness. Holding on to anger. Matthew chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. How serious is Jesus about forgiveness? Then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and he says, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? He says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he messes up against me? Seven? Now he's talking about in one day. Here's how Jesus answered. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So, if a brother sins against you 490 times in one day, forgive him. But on the 491st day, you slug him in the nose. <laughs> no, that's not what he means. He was speaking symbolically here. What Jesus is saying is it don't matter how many times your brother sins against you in a day, you choose to forgive him. It don't matter what lie they told. It don't matter how they slandered you. It don't matter how they took advantage of your kindness. You still choose to forgive them, even if they do it 490 times in one day. I'm not sure that's ever happened. I feel, I feel sorry for the dude that perpetrated all that, though. But that's how serious Jesus is about this. This altar is a very special place. The altar in the Bible is, is very symbolic. We come to this altar in response to the preaching of the Word. We come to this altar in response to the moving of the Spirit of God. And we come to this altar and we confess our faults before God. We come to this altar and we lay things down on this altar. We lay unforgiveness down on this altar. We lay sin down on this altar. We come to this altar and we make new consecrations before the Lord. And we take vows. We come to this altar and we seek the Lord. We come to this altar to meet with God and to pray. And so this altar is a sanctified, it is a holy place. It is a very important place in this church. But watch this. Matthew chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Jesus says this, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka, 
shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall, shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now, now watch this part right here. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer your gift. This altar is a very important place in this church. And there are a lot of functions that we come here and a lot of things that God does at this altar. But Jesus said, I'm so serious about forgiveness and reconciliation that if you come to this altar and I remind you that you have aught in your heart against a brother or that I have offended somebody else, if I know I have offended, if I am the one doing the offense, Jesus said, if you come to the altar and you remember that, He said, you leave the altar and you go make things right and then you come back and then I'll accept your gift. Then I'll hear your prayer. Then I'll meet you there. Because He doesn't want you to be tethered. He doesn't want you to be bound. Amen. God is serious about forgiveness and reconciliation. He's so serious about forgiveness that he willingly went to the cross to provide it. How serious was God about forgiveness? The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. It is God's will for us to be reconciled with one another. It is God's will for us to be released from that burden. Now let me say this, brothers and sisters. We, we, the Apostle Paul said, if it be possible. You say, Pastor, I forgave that person. What if they don't forgive me? It's not your problem. If you forgive that person and you release them from that offense and you release them from that anger and they refuse to let it go, that is between them and God and God will judge and God will deal with it. Your hands are clean. There is no blood on your head. Because you chose to forgive. Sometimes reconciliation is impossible. Sometimes you can forgive. Sometimes things never go back to the way they were. But it doesn't mean that we have to stay tethered and chained to that anger and that resentment because it hinders our prayers. It hinders our walk with God. It keeps us from growing spiritually. It does. You, and, and I'm, I'm closing tonight, you, you will not be, I, I know that we're a small church and everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business and that's the small church for you. As this church grows, I want you to understand, you're not 
always, you're not going to be best friends with everybody in the church. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. You'll probably hear me say this for years. People are people. And, and some personalities click, and some don't. It's not a bad thing. It just means sometimes you click with a person, and that's a person that you might hang out with outside of church. Sometimes you don't. It doesn't mean you don't like the person. That's just life. My pastor once told me, you're to love everybody, but you're not going to be friends, so to speak, with everybody. Talking about fellowshipping outside of, of church. It's not, it's not always going to happen. But if there is an offense, someone wrongs you or says something or hurts you, it is the will of God for us to be reconciled, especially in the body of Christ. And maybe things don't ever go back to the way they were, but you're free and they're free. And we can all move forward together. It is the will of God. So, here's just a few questions and a few answers. When is it not possible to be reconciled? The answer is when you choose not to forgive. What if they refuse to apologize, Pastor? What if they refuse to repent? Forgive them anyway. I saw a coffee cup one time. It was on a picture and it said, forgive them even if they're not sorry. So if they're not sorry, it's okay. Forgive them anyway. And this one I, I just covered. What if they refuse to forgive me? Choose to still forgive them and free yourself. The rest is solely between them and God. Reconciliation isn't always possible, but forgiveness is. Re I'm going to say that again. Reconciliation isn't always possible, but forgiveness is if we choose to do so. Amen. Amen. Does anyone have any questions before we dismiss tonight, I, I pray that this has helped us in some way. I, I pray that the Word of God has, has enlightened our hearts. I don't want to see anybody held down and, and hindered spiritually because of unforgiveness. Right. Yeah, because there's nothing more you can do at that point. If you have released them and you have forgiven them. Um, no, no. If I mean, there's times um, that a person may offend you and you may not say anything about it, but man, you're holding on to it. Uh-huh. 